0: Joe's on the the virtual stage with me now, so I'm just going to do Joe a bit of an intro and explain to you guys listening now and future listeners when this gets released on Spotify, Podcast Addicts, and YouTube, and so on and so forth. This is why I've been trying to hunt Joe down on behalf of the listeners. But uh, Joe started off as a technical support specialist back in 2005. Joe then went on to be a team lead and system engineer at InfoStructures, Inc., then moved on to be a cybersecurity slash security solutions engineer. That was at Volva. He then went on to be a cyber threat unit and system security professional at Dynastar Professional Services. Then Joe became a travel red team penetration tester slash ISSO at And then Joe moved on to be a cybersecurity engineer. Then Joe was a senior penetration tester at e-management, then moved on to be a a senior pen tester and web app pen tester at Amux Technologies. And then Joe was head of offensive security and development of cyber. Um, Joe has also been a professional mentor and academic advisor at Battleship then has also been a freelance principal penetration tester the next gen red team and that is currently a position that he holds today also another position that joe holds today is an asc cyber seal and that is for agile cyber security solutions that's also on a freelance basis and another this is all simultaneously these last week by the way <laughs> you guys and girls busy chat He's the director of offensive security innovation, research, and advanced testing on Defend. That's in Washington D.C. and that's a full-time position. So, Joe, you're clearly a busy chap. How you doing, mate?
1: I am doing well. Yeah, I, 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 so I call it my my primary day job here at On Defend, and then of course, folks ask me to either be an advisor or help them build their red team with my network and. And then so I join them in a capacity and try to help out in the best ways that I can. But again, being as busy as I am with conferences and mentoring and everything else, it's one of those things I give it my best effort, but I make it very clear that they're results driven best efforts.
0: Yeah, very good. And I'm really looking forward to unpacking your journey, Joe. I think for everyone listening, what we're going to do is really unpack Joe's journey is some kind of unique elements to it there's a lot we can learn obviously in terms of the professional mentoring and self-development that really tied into the per- career progression piece so i think there's a lot the listeners can can get the, the place i'd like to start joe is i've done you a bit of a bit of an intro but if you can tell us what you've been up to and what you're up to career-wise if that's okay Martin.
1: yeah absolutely so the thing that right now i'm doing primarily you know, working on a lot of malware tradecraft stuff over here at On Defend with our breach and adversarial emulation uh, tool, mentoring a lot. I actually just got back from this weekend. was in Philadelphia at I'm gonna try to pronounce it Spanish appropriately. Raices Con, Raices Con, Raices, Con. I keep rolling my arms a little too hard. It is a conference, a first year conference here in the U S. in Philadelphia to get support for the latino latinx communities to get more more folks in the cyber period and one of the targets of that conference was of course the hispanic latino community and then before that weeks before that was hack space or hack redcon out louisville kentucky and then i'm hitting all the other conference circuits over the summer things like that so i do the mentor village which is a new thing for me so i i took my capabilities and went on the road with them, as it were, and have been doing other mentor village where I do resume critiquing, mock interviews, and then I do pre, pre pre-interview interviews. And those get to be interesting because people have never had a pre-interview. And usually what I try to do in those is try to encourage folks, right? It's more of a, hey, let's correct some interviewing behaviors. Let's correct Mm -hmm. some words that you may or may not use during your interview, and then Mm -hmm. let's really Hype the person up. Uh, the biggest thing that I see when folks get ready for those things is they really bum themselves down. And I'm like, no, let's hype you up. Let's get you excited. Let's, but let not so excited. You're physically gyrating or okay, hi guys. But let's get you feeling good. That this next phase, the things you're going to be doing is going to be the next step. And and first, potentially the first step. Or the next step in a long career.
0: Brilliant, mate. Thanks for that. You, yeah. You, yeah I, I, we've got a podcast plan that, that I was going to follow, but I'm, Joe, I'm not going to follow it because you're sparking questions off in my head straight away. Yeah, absolutely. Pre interview, if I'm listening now, thinking, what I'm interviewing now or I'm about to, I'm applying to bear with cyber different jobs. Maybe I'm listening in the future on Spotify or maybe I'm listening right now in this chat room. I'm thinking, pre interview, what's that? How can it help me? Any tips?
1: Oh absolutely. So again, uh, I try to it's one of these weird things. I've learned a lot from marketing and research and things like that. So when I try to get folks to even get to the interview, I start talking about, hey, touch points like marketers would do. hey, the uh, first add the follow the company on LinkedIn, add the company on Glassdoor, follow the company on Glassdoor. somebody's gonna get a notification. then, and engage with the staff. Go ahead and add. If the person's in the position you want at the company, add them to LinkedIn, add them on social media, Twitter, if they're out there, if they're one of these people who posted Twitter, try to engage with them. Add the HR folks, the staffing folks, the folks who might be the recruiters who might be seeing your resume come across their desk. Add them and then go ahead and then finally engage in, hey, I'm wondering if you have any jobs open like this. Even if you know they do, asking that question is another touch point. If they send you a direct link to it, fantastic, apply. And then you come to me, and that's, when you come, that's the next step. You come to me for this pre-interview. And so I say pre because again, that's where I try to get you all hyped up and make you feel good. Then the pre-interview, if, the, if I feel like the folks need a pre-interview, I'll do that now to explain exactly what that is. I'll you slow down debate. a little bit so people can hear me. So when I do the pre-interview, I'm really trying to see, I'm going to ask them some HR style questions. I'm going to ask them some technical style questions. I'm going to ask them some personal style questions. And again, within the realms of what I would see or hear or that I've been through in interviews myself. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to listen to their response and then I'm going to give them a a kind of quick critique. Hey, that's a really good way of saying that. Or, hey, that's not a really good way of saying that. I like to try to mix up folks' action verbs because a lot of people they'll use the same old, oh, while I was on a team, I did some cool things. I'm like, wow, that's great. I'm actually interviewing you. And, and I know that's like a style that they taught in high school and universities and at standard education facilities. They're like, oh, it's we did a thing or this. No, it's your resume. You did a thing. So in the interview, yes, you can speak to your team because I want to know that you had a team. I want to see that you've worked well with others. But while I was on the team, comma I did this thing and instead of just saying I did this thing I was responsible for the uh, internal penetration test. I was responsible bringing now at that action verb of saying I was responsible is huge to me now as a director as a technical hiring force I get to go oh they just used the word responsible I like that word because that means they took ownership of something so I try to encourage those kind of action verbs
0: Mm, thank you, thank you. Just to summarise, by the way, the touch points thing—you'd have made a great recruiter joke because this is this is like how we one of the ways that we engage new clients and stuff. But just to recap, if I'm listening now, when you talk about touch points, you're saying follow them on Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever social uh, mm-hmm, platform mm-hmm. your target employer is on. We're going to add them on LinkedIn. We're going to add. HR folks, talent acquisition folks. If it's a smaller firm, we're probably going to want to add maybe the founder and stuff like that. If it's larger, definitely talent acquisition and, and HR. Yep. And then just when we came on to the next bit, you mentioned – it. would I be running to summarize, Joe? We're really talking about trying to quantify the benefits to the employer in real terms. So talk about what you actually did to benefit your previous employer. Is that?
1: exactly exactly that's one of the biggest things i can tell people to do is that when i go when i review resumes nowadays right the first thing i say is imagine this as your personal amazon product page i need to know within those first 10 I, I see a title i see a header that's great now i know what i'm getting into i'm looking at a i'm looking at joe brinkley a director of offensive security i i can summarize that they are a lead management person of offensive security and then I go, the first few things that I talk about in my, on my LinkedIn, on my resume is, this is what I can do for you. I can help you start a red team. I can help you find uh, quality folks for your red team. I can help you develop uh, a trade craft. I can help you do research. If you want to stand something up within this organization that it's offensive based, this is what I can do for you. And this is my track record point down to my experience. And so, I try to get folks to look at their resumes as that almost as that Amazon product page because of that.
0: Thanks, Joe. And also, just the next point you mentioned about hyping yourself up. So, if I'm sat here thinking that sounds great, but um, I'm not overly confident, maybe I've got a bit of imposter syndrome. Maybe I'm just like not that comfortable in hyping myself up or talking Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. myself. But, but, But any advice for that? And also. We mentioned a bit something about balance there because we don't want to come across arrogant, but at the same time, we want to be able to sell ourselves in the most effective way possible. So, any tips for, for maybe bringing me out of my shell? And also, any tips for getting the balance right when it comes to that hyping yourself up?
1: That's the hype yourself up and get it. I almost use this as the same that like getting out of a shell and hyping folks up in this case almost go together. That's why I have the pre interview because the ability for you to go. All right sometimes i've told folks deep breaths roll your shoulders roll back sit up straight deep breath open up the airway blood circulation some of those things are physical but now those mental blocks you specifically talk about imposter syndrome not feeling like you can do the thing that maybe you're interviewing for that's why i'm also there right that is why it is critical to find a mentor that can be there even if that mentor is in an entirely different industry my mentor for uh, the, the first several years of my career wasn't even remotely in cyber. They barely touched a computer at their job in the early 2000s. Okay. So my mentor, though, hyped me up like, all right, you're going to get on this call. You're going to talk about you, but you're going to talk about the things you've done. But most importantly, you're not. Uh, uh, I, I've I've gone through the process of I'm, I'm a narcissist. I, I love talking about me, but I've also managed to kill my ego. It doesn't have to be about me. So. That's the way I personally have been able to apply to these things. So when I see folks, and that's why that pre-interview exists, because when you do talk, when you do say, I did these things as a team member on this team comma, I was responsible for, again, changing those verbs, making it so, yes, I was part of a team. However, I had a very important thing that I personally did. And then in doing that, I've noticed that just can bring folks out of their shells and really, again, hype people up now. When you start talking about imposter syndrome and things like that, that is one of the hardest things to conquer. I myself, 20 years plus experience at this point, almost at this point, I have not been able to conquer the ability for me to say, I I can do the thing. I take a deep breath, I close my mouth, and I get up on stage every time I do it. And then the first 30 seconds I'm on stage, like I'm grabbing onto a podium, I'm looking at all these people and I'm going, All right, Uh, you've told yourself, me, I've told me that even if this room was empty, I was going to give this talk. The fact that the room is half empty, half full, I I go half empty, you know, it's half full. The room is this, that, the other. I've really pushed to, again, change my view on when I go to talk to people that people are here because clearly I have something to say and they want to hear. And I always tell, and this is the other thing is this is why it's important to get one of those kinds of mentors that can really be there for you is I always tell anyone I mentor, even who well, anyone who has a conversation with me, and they're like, wow, you're amazing. But I go, hey, but Thomas, you have something I don't know. Why don't you talk for a little bit? I want to learn something from you. Don't go out of your way. Don't find a thing that you're like, oh, I'm really Mitch in this one era of Pokemon cards or something like that's really cool. But keep talking about the related topic because then I bet we'll discover something. That I'll go, huh, I never thought of that. I never knew that i've heard of that but i've never dug in and that gives me the ability to now conversate with you and bring you as this instead of just this relationship where you feel like i'm this pedestal i'm way up here unobtainable status you know we are the same and i'm going to elevate you with the things you know and that's again the point of a good mentor
0: yeah definitely thanks Jeff. i tend to find as well when you approach people higher up because not many people are approaching them or not as many people have got the confidence to approach them. It's often a less crowded area. So sometimes if you go into your side, sort of director level, Joe, if you talk to CEOs, founders, directors, I sometimes find that it's sometimes yeah. not as competitive. So it um, sounds, maybe some people uh, would think it is. I find that the opposite is true, but thank you. Thank you for that, Joe. It's a great answer. And I know the mentoring aspect, one of the reasons I think we connected so well when we first spoke was you clearly passionate about mentoring obviously you (laughs) value value the importance of it i know you're always looking for people listening joe's all joe's on the lookout to to mentor people it's a a genuine something that that, that he loves can you tell us a bit more about mentor vintage and 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 anything to do with what you'll do when you're looking to people to mentor and how that could help the listeners
1: absolutely so if you see a local conference and they're looking for villages i'm glad to always appear and try to be there within reason again i i'm it's a thing i'm doing out of the love of the labor of love right there's no sponsors for the mentor village besides myself my my community dead pixel and my company on with the graciousness the pto and things they help out when i go to some of these conferences and it's always there's always the ability to say, hey, can you me- come here and mentor? So the point of the village is to do it in person. And then I take it that relationship because we usually have 20, 30 minutes. You're wanting to stop by a table or a booth and then go to the other tables and booths and talks. So then that's when I just go, here's a calendarly invite. You're gonna put 15 minutes of time on my calendar for a resume review. And then we're gonna follow up with a second 30 minute call for that pre-interview, a pre-interview. And then, anytime that if there's a moment that the that of weakness, of help me, of am I doing the right thing, all lines of communication are open. I text, I Discord, I Signal, I LinkedIn, and but don't if it's not immediate need, don't expect an immediate answer. I will analyze. Okay, I can answer this when I have time carved out during certain days to go do these things. And so the point of, that's the point of the mentor village, and you mentioned it's very important to get a mentor and I've mentioned it several times now and the reason, by the way, I'm so passionate, the reason I finally started Mentor Villages again, I started a community on Discord called Dead Pixel Sec. it's out there, there's a website DeadPixelSec.com, you can join the Discord and I started that because I was streaming, I was trying to be one of the first, I, the streamers and then but again, because I don't have much of an ego it was no longer Joe Brinkley streaming server, it became this other thing and there was such a community of people behind me In 2018, helping do this stuff, I was like, "Hey, let's build these things, and then go from there." And it was amazing to see that just with our the team that I started to develop around me, a little bit of advice, the number of people coming back to us, "I got a job, I got a job, I got a job." And then now the mentor village. Now that we're post COVID, we're we're getting to a point where we're doing conferences fairly regularly. We're going into places physically. I'm like, "Hey, let me develop this relationship in person." I get folks in the DPS, the PixelSec, and get folks to me, and then it allows them to, again, be a mentor. I, unfortunately, like I said, my uh, way early on in my career, I did not have a mentor, or way early on in my life, I did not have a mentor. I had father figures and folks that I relied on for information, but there wasn't a particular person who was like, this is the way business works, this is the way you should try to do things, because while we think it works this way, it really works this way, and this is how to, game it and I didn't have that now that I know the game I'm trying to help others game it and then like I said I did have some marketing mentors I did have some senior level folks really like, oh I did it this way but that's when I learned I also need more, more than one mentor I need to get the advice from as many people as I can and so again point of the mentor village is I try to invite other local mentors other recruiters and other folks to come help
0: mm, brilliant now thanks Joe. And um, you've mentioned some deadpixelsec.com and Obviously, the mental village. So we'll get everything in there in the show notes when this episode Excellent. is released. And now, th- thanks again, my friend. And obviously, as many you can see from Joe's job title, Directs of offensive security, there's going to be some really fun hacking stuff to dive into there, which we'll dive into very shortly. But just before All we, we do, do, Joe, if I'm listening now and I get excited on Linkarian and stuff like that about various different things, but there's probably people listening now that. are... Uh, maybe struggling, maybe they're struggling to break into the industry. Maybe they've broke into the industry but they've landed on some tough times with the, the market conditions are pretty pretty choppy at the minute. So I just wanna to talk to you about um, resilience. I know you're a resilient guy. I know you've had some some tough times. Can you tell us, I say at the minute it all looks great, but can you tell us about in tough times and perhaps when your career wasn't so good?
1: Yeah, I'm, I've am i told the story a few times on a few other podcasts and things. So I'll summarize it. But way early on in my career or in my education, I was young. I was 18. I was losing my vision from being 16 when the vision loss started. And I went to a, I won't name a university anymore. It's, it's not fair because they are a different university now. They're different people. They have better people at. I went in and I was doing a program specifically for folks who've lost their vision or they're just the rehabilitation capabilities. And the, I guess the person I was reporting to for my intake used the words like, oh, you'll never make it in this industry. And again, from then till 21, I didn't. I Even though I had plenty of skills, I've been hacking, I have been defending, I have been IT, I have been installing linux windows s is building hardware and i was like oh maybe this person's right um uh, that's my key one again i've talked about it before always wanted to talk about it a little bit more but some of the other difficulties was again you mentioned when i was that travel to FEMA isso there was an abrupt end to that part of my career when a second company had come in and won the work because the company i was with actually wasn't supposed to have some of that work but we were in place and ready to go so I applied to said company, got got a sign-on bonus, got a, a letter of intent to hire. It was this great day. I was getting a, a sufficient raise. I go in, I go to put my two weeks notice in, and I was told that, oh, you're not supposed to be able to do this, by the way, not by somebody at my company, not by the company that I was going to, by a government employee. Who's who frankly I have come to find out after years just frankly didn't like me because I wasn't one of the people that they could tell to do something and get away with it to a degree. And I was always like, hey, I'm not supposed to be doing these things. This is supposed to be a federal employee's role. I'm doing things like way above and beyond my things here. And she took it upon herself to make sure by the end of that day I had neither job. And that was, that was devastating to me because I thought I was really progressing. I thought I was going to go be doing this thing that I really like doing. And by the end of the day, I didn't. Fortunately, again, because I've built up that network, I had used these skills, these touch points to get in touch with folks. I was able to get a job shortly thereafter. I, I went back actually to that company Evolver you mentioned for about a year and was able to keep my feet and job going, but it took me about a, a week and it was very demotivating. Am I doing the right thing? Should I be doing these things? And ask myself that question a lot, almost every day.
0: Uh, yeah, mate. And listen, fair play to you, Joe, to, to keep going. And I think obviously that resilience piece and stuff like that, it, 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 it counts for everything. And I think when people just see that you, you're just not giving up in terms of, if we're just talking about offensive security and hacking an mm. absolutely prime characteristic as as you'll know is just persistence resilience and, and a willingness not to give up you just can't have a quick look at an environment and then shoot onto the next absolutely thing. yeah you've got to you've got to push and push but another good analogy i heard is as long as you keep going you'll be okay if you give up that's the only time you're, you won't succeed it's a bit like the,
1: absolutely
0: yeah it's, it's a bit like the, the best one i heard was it's a bit like the stock market where if you look at the stock market over like a 10, 15, 20, basically a long-term period, right it, it always goes up. But if you dip out or you try and get in and out along the way or try and make a quick book or don't take a long-term vision or give up, that's when you lose money. But if you're prepared to <laughs> do it for the long game, not give up, show ultimate resilience and persistence and anything that's worth having is worth fighting for. And Listen, it's nice to hear that story, Matt. And again, good on you, mate, because right, so you deserve that success you get it's easy to look at you now and just go ah it's all right for him but i know it's never i know it's never that straightforward mate so i think it's good for the listeners to hear that as well so thanks buddy uh yeah all good uh, anything else on the resilience piece show or have we covered it or
1: i'll just say you're right one of my favorite one of my personal favorite quotes i don't know if i quoted it from somebody else but yeah i decided that watching other people in my position going through rehabilitation services and things like that, I couldn't fail and so I decided failure was not an option and that was my personal quote was like hmm. I cannot fail here, even if I fall I get back up and I keep going and we keep going so uh, that's cool. my uh, story on resiliency.
0: Cool, wicked so this is a question actually in a bit in a selfish way, this is a question for me but I know it'll help the listeners as well, I know you're obviously mega uh half-kin. what kind of like really cool Learning material when it comes to red teaming or any aspect of offensive security, what online learning material should I be checking out? Maybe not right now, maybe after this LinkedIn live. Right <laughs> after, after
1: you listen for offensive security, like I, I can really help people with that. Again, that's my passion. It's my forte. It's my it's, it's my muse. It's my music. It's everything to me. I'm very offensive. <laughs> Yeah, um, and i think you know to me it's the hack the boxes try and hack me's the offensive security proving grounds labs the it's all of those things at it blogs it's still a ton of self-research unless you really do a try and hack me path or hack the box path hmm. now that they are doing certifications and and education hmm. through that i use to craft my tradecraft again i depend on a lot of my other tradecraft engineers too over here at on the Spin. We spend a lot of time working together. We spend a lot of time trying to build and post blogs together just and encourage each other. And and the other thing that I've learned throughout the years is that's funny. When I build a blog, I tend to remember my content of the blog a little bit better than as if I'm like, if I'm just continuously sitting there going, okay, it's time to run this tool again, Hey, you know what? If I just write this down, publish it and then go and then have a place to like almost reference it myself. Because then when I Google something, it's funny now uh, to have been doing this so long. Sometimes when I type in words into Google and hit enter and then like a blog post featuring my name or somebody that I know specifically who I either know I influenced or they influenced me, I go, ah, that's the thing and things like
0: that. So there's tons of resources. Cool. Now listen, it's one of the the, uh, additional benefits of being a mentor and helping the community out is you're reinforcing your pre-existing knowledge. It's, again, it's, it's when By the way, Joe, what, what do you think? I did a post on the uh, PNPT and OSCP recently, and someone wrote in the comments, oh, hat-of-the-box are, hat-of-the-box certs are better than both of them. What, have you, what's your thoughts on the hat-of-the-box certs? Have, have you got any info there?
1: I haven't taken it myself, but the examination I've done of it, I, I think it's a mighty fine cert. Mm. The way that I will say with education, certifications, and especially around pen testing go, is that the OSCP is going to be always the de facto premier certification. And that's everybody who, who gets in the field who can say, I 100% can, in fact, do a pen test, has an OSCP.
0: Okay, cool. You've, this kind of ties into the next question. So if I want to progress within offensive security, OSCP is the one I need to get. What tips have you got for me?
1: Absolutely. Again, it's all the education. I do suggest it's play the building game, right? You can't, you don't just walk to a plot of land and go clap your hands twice and go health and a house appears. No, yeah. you dig down a little bit, you put a foundation, or you put, so you go get some fundamentals, understanding, you build some timbers. Here in the US, it's timbers, in other countries, yeah, brick. Uh, yeah, you, know, yeah cool. you, you put a structure up and then you go on the inside and now you've got this building but now you don't have anything on the inside so now you acquire more fundamentals carpentry finishing a- a- hvac plumbing and then you go do the the things in the proper order probably some carpentry then plumbing then hvac and then you do a little bit more carpentry and then you do some finishing you put up some you start doing painting and crown molding and fans and then there's electricity i do forget about that sometimes there, there's a whole like elect- there's this whole electrician feel and then you put it what meanwhile while you're doing all this you put in an electric panel and then you start putting up the finishing you put up walls the same thing i say for certifications start off with foundational knowledge what exactly is a tcp ip pack what exactly is a network switch why is a switch different than a hub what are these things important for and then you move to the security has a lot of Acronyms and verbs and weird things that you don't quite uh, run into in other industries. So you you learn to start saying those words, and then you get the certifications understanding those words. So then you start talking about MFA, multi-factor. You start talking about passwords. You start talking about password strength, brute forcing. Oh, it sounds mean, but yes, the idea of continuously trying to use a username and password to log in can in fact do some mean thing. Okay, but then you just start running into these colloquial capabilities with words and then you establish yourself at that point as all right now what do i want to do and if it's offensive security i highly i'm uh you know again i i don't push any particular certifications uh, I, i have the ones that i have i have had a ceh i have had a cissp i have done the ejpt and i've done the ironic thing is i did the ejpt the eLearn junior pen tester after i already had ocp but it was because a friend of mine was trying to go through it. And I was like, where are they running into difficulty with? I need to learn this mm-hmm. individual thing I've never learned before so I can help this person. And again, that's what kind of mentor I am. And so I ended up taking the EJPT and going, aha, I see now. And it was after I already had OSCP. but So I had CEH, a CISSP, a, a, a OSCP, then OSCE. And then somewhere in there, I ended up after CEH, I think I got a CPTE, which is this random mile to... Uh, an SA-level certification, which was pretty much in between CEH and CISSP. It was a little bit of everything. And then I've had a handful of other certs that I, like CFR, CyberSec First Responder, which isn't, I don't think of certification anymore. I have the CESE from Capture the Talent, which was very much into, like, post exploitation and hacking Active Directory with Active Directory Certificate Services. Again, words that a newbie or somebody new to the field, or oh my gosh, those are crazy advanced things. But to me, it's become second nature and it's fine. But then I know that PNPT came out and I think that's a fantastic. You can go PNPt, and then start working on those other CISSP, OSCP, Hack the Box. I, I Again, I haven't taken the Hack the Box one. I've heard that it is difficult. There's a Try and Hack Me uh, completion certification now. So Again, I'm a big fan of the certificate education system rather than the, I know on our list, we talked about this real quick, but I'm a bigger fan of certifications over formal education. But to me, any education is education. I need the person who is getting in this industry to follow what path they need to do to learn things. But when it comes to that ultimate final decision, I need to know that you, if I'm gonna hire you for a position here at OnDefend, okay or any of the other places that I red team and do side work with or anything, I need to know you can do the job. Mm -hmm. And the certification that lets me know you can 100% do the job is is an OSCP. And if I get on the phone call with you and you don't have an OSCP, it's okay. I interview in a way that tells me that you still can do it. But when you have OSCP, I'm going to ask you harder questions. But that also means to me, your pay is probably going to be a little higher having a very you know, again, hardcore certification like that. Mm-hmm.
0: Cool. Thank you, Joe. So this might be quite hard to do, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask you anyway. So we yeah. mentioned CISSP, EJPT, OSCP, OSCE, CEH. I think we mentioned a couple of the winners. If I pick each of them and say, can you give me one thing now that you wish you knew before you took each service? Oh. If we did... <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a soundbite for when the podcast release, and they're trying to give the listeners some instant, like boom. So, CISSP. what do you think
1: oh it's definitely an inch deep mile wide the concepts when i took it were so fantastically foreign to me even as having been a security professional for years um i had to start thinking about building code fire alarms uh, i believe to my knowledge some of those things have changed that's a lot of p pe- it took me a lot of time it cost me a lot of money to do that certification but I ended up letting it go just because it doesn't fit my current role anymore. I had to have it back in the day to be in the roles that I was in the government as a pen tester, as a ISSO. So you had to have a CISSP. So I got it then for those purposes. I have let it go since then. But again, that was a personal choice. I don't regret it. I still think the organization is good. They're adding some of those additional certifications out. But definitely be ready to big brain study, but be ready to it's not going to be the most technical certification you get. It's going to be very paperwork, ISO, GRC, governance, risk and compliance heavy.
0: Yeah, cool. Good for good for management, good for communication. Yes. Yeah, EJPT, can you give us two or three tips on that? Oh,
1: so again, approaching it after my more senior level certs, it was actually very good. The coursework material went through what you should be knowing and then they gave you a random set of question answer and some hands on and it and that's what I really liked about it is that was that felt like a good if I was early on in my career you should feel good about it it's going to be multiple choice with a little bit of hands on and that's going to actually probably be a thing that helps you in the long run because now you're not there's not a thousand ways to get through this it's multiple choice for the first several questions so Mm -hmm. get through the multiple choice feel good about your knowledge on that and then maybe struggle with the hands-on so be ready Cool. Wiki,
0: mate. OSCP, 30, 60, 90 hours of labs time. and Any tips? Oh,
1: uh, I wrote a whole <laughs> blog on this once. I pasted something like 92 links. Wow. And said, Yeah, and it was like, hey, to me, to guarantee pass, you're going to need to do at least 40 boxes. You're going to need to spend the whole 90 days in there. I need to see you pop the admin network, the user network, and the regular network. And people were like, oh, my God, and. That's what I was told to do. I tried to mimic it as best I could. I probably got closer to 26 boxes. and But you need to do a large number of those boxes. And now there are guides. TJ Noll, good buddy of mine, puts together the, hey, OSCP most like list for hack the box. So before you get in, go read those. Before I got in blocks, and that's frankly doing a ton of hack the box, doing a ton of try and hack me, try and hack me. I believe that's a whole OSCP path get those boxes done before you purchase because when you get in it's going to be it's going to be the nightmare that is the oscp
0: yeah yeah and that's wicked so just quick ones on that those 91 links how do i get them where are they
1: oh uh, that blog unfortunately doesn't exist anymore yeah. and all of that data is actually outdated at this point because they've changed okay. Okay. the exam so much in the last
0: six years okay and the boxes you get can vary massively. I, I know that from just Correct. speaking to myself here, but, but the most likely boxes, can you just give us that bit of info again? Because I feel like that could be pretty how pretty So box, there's no buffer. Level.
1: There used to be a guaranteed buffer overflow, but now there's not a guaranteed buffer overflow. You're going to get probably two Windows boxes, two Linux boxes, or some makeup of them. There is a easy box that is like 15 points. I forget the distribution, but there's right. a easy box that's a, a low number of points, a, a, probably two mediums and one hard. Now, I will say, if you get a, you find the hard box, go ahead and come back to that later. Knock out the other ones and feel good about okay. them. Maybe do the easy one first and then come back to the hard one. You can tell it's the hard one because you're going to start scanning it. You're probably not going to see much. The easy ones are usually one hit or two hit. Like You scan it. There's a web interface. You go to the web interface. You run GoBuster, DurBuster. You find a directory. You put in some code. You get a shell. You get in fantastic, easy, where you get those points immediately. The medium boxes, they're probably going to have some form of lateral movement. You'll break in with a fairly easy exploit, but then to elevate privileges, it might be a little bit more harder exploit. Then that hard box is going to be to even get in the door, you're probably going to have to find an exploit that already exists and modify it because you're not supposed to use Metasploit and these other one-hit tools. You have to find an exploit that already exists and modify it. Oh, every time I try to do a this kind of bind shell it's not working well now make it a reverse shell how do i do that hopefully that's something you learn how to do but replacing that shell code inside of the um inside of the exploit code you get that's key number one knowing how to do that again it's one of those things that i know if you can do that you could definitely do pen testing. that's the big
0: bite for that that was was brilliant mate you gave us there was that was like two three minutes just packed full of very valuable information (laughs) by the way i really like what you just said about when you get a hard box come back to it later because obviously oscp time is a big factor oh and, yeah yeah i can just imagine like someone's getting stuck in a hard boss, getting frustrated getting agitated i've seen people
1: lose the yeah. entire OCP because yep. of it I'm like yep. did you even get the buffer overflow down there like, no and i'm like hey <laughs> when i was training my i drilled how to do that buffer overflow mm-hmm. specifically the buffer overflow into my head until i got it down to a 30 minute even manually process so if, mm, if my yeah. Python script didn't work, if the tools that I was using to stand up and everything like that weren't working, I could manually push code into it with my bare hands, if I <laughs> Yes, you just brilliant, mate. Thanks, thanks buddy. Oh,
0: OSCE? I know you've got that.
1: Oh, OSCE. That, that one was funny. I failed it the very first time. Not because I didn't uh, have the right stuff. This is why I'm so critical now when people start talking about bug bounty and reporting. I had a crap report. So it went to the uh, the the student admins, the adjudicators, and they were like, nah, man. So I took it a second time. Same thing. I was like, why did I fail this? Finally they gave me some feedback. Man, your report's just it's not getting me to the conclusion I need. I'm like, our third I was one of the by the way, one of the very last people to even be able to take it because they stopped giving it out. The day that I took it the first time and then I failed it so they let me redo it and then I failed it and then 90 days later I'm like I'm one of the last people on the planet ever taking the certification now because they got rid of it to do the OSCE3 and then they have the E P and all kinds of stuff now and when I was I stopped using the template I went out and just wrote things like I would I made it look good it was fantastic I put so much description in there and fluff which I hate but I get it it's part of the job to put it in there. And that's why I pass it. That's why I'm such a stickler when people ask me about bug bounty or report writing. I always talk about that.
0: Cool. And listen, mate, persistence prevails, obviously, because you didn't stop. Yep, Very yep. good. CH, any tips?
1: Study hard. But CH is one of those things that the book is the golden key or the book, the study material. the And the CH, it's not exactly the way. When I took it again, it was many years ago, almost... 2008 I think I took it initially and so the if when in in the test if it says okay you go outside and you look up and the sky is green and for sure inside the book it said hey the sky is green even though we emphatically know the sky is blue put the sky is green that multiple choice and now I hear that they've added some technical and things like that so follow their methodology so it's not just the p-test or penetration testing execution standard it's not The normal ethical hacker, is the certified ethical hacker approach that they take that you
0: should follow to pass that exam. Mm -hmm. Wicked. Thank you, mate. Brilliant, John. That was a good little blast on certs, mate. We'll move off certifications now. I feel like we've we've absolutely caned it in a good way. So there you go. So if I'm really in the mood to do some reading or listen to some podcasts on the weekends or before work, after work, which book or podcast and has had the biggest positive impacts on your career and, and, and could have the same for the people listening?
1: Oh, boy. So podcast, I used to listen to a ton of Paul Security Weekly. Now it's known as Security Weekly. I listened to a ton of Hack5 early in the day, the Security Now. I haven't listened to much of those anymore. I'm more now into, I listened to them in the early days when I was getting started. Again, because they were familiarizing me with that terminology. And things. I, again, I probably have listened to it probably in 13, 14 years. No no offense to them. And I've yeah. been on Security Weekly. And, and I mean, I listen in when it's something that the title of a show interests me. The unfortunate thing is you do hit a point in your career where you're like, I don't know everything, but I'm also not going to need to want to, I don't want to dive into every single sock episode, Blue Team episode, because I'm an offensive guy. It's what I yeah. do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I listen in and go, okay, they're doing these things. Okay. But Darknet Diaries is really fun to me. Again, Security Weekly. I still tune in uh, now and then for sure. Black Hills has—they don't have podcasts, but they do a ton of free webinars, like monthly. And yeah. again, the Philip Wiley Show. Philip mm. Wiley Show, fantastic. I love Phil. Well, we literally just hung out this past weekend. Both of his podcasts, uh, especially again, if you're trying to be offensive, I love the way he does interviews. They're almost to the point of the style. It's just the hard interview, the, the Rogan style interviews. They're just yeah. hard. He asks the hard questions sometimes, and I love yeah, that.
0: Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. So, d- by the way, Darned Diaries. I reckon I honestly, fifty percent of the time, I ask the question. The work, you know, Darned Diaries, comes up. So, for people listening, that has got to be a uh, job. Opportunity.
1: The job they do over there is so phenomenal in production and understanding. And the when you find out that they not only they don't just go out there find a person. Hey, you've done some cool stuff. Come interview with us. You no, know, they find people that they can legitimately verify, have a potential criminal record, an open case a pending information. Like how much can you prove that you actually did this thing? Now there's mm-hmm. been some cases that, that they were very much misled. A, a, somebody created a very detailed paper show for a significant period of time to be yeah. some of these things, but it's only happened once or twice out of <laughs> almost a hundred episodes. So wow. like it's, they do a lot of, it's like that journalistic level podcast hmm. books. I listen to a lot of books again I don't read much visually impaired uh, but I listen to a lot of books a ton of sci-fi fantasy but when it comes to other books I'm sure I can't say it fully on here but a very good book on f yourself Mm -hmm. came along and I've listened to that book in several iterations of it folks breaking it down I've listened to certain other like success books and just again things to try to always evolve myself and make sure that when I do feel imposter syndrome when i do feel these things that i find the ability to pull myself up because again not having a direct mentor now just again people i learn from at this point in my career it's tough but again i have friends who will tell me hey you're doing good still and and just that reinforcement to me is Mm -hmm. good enough but still listen to a lot of the success books so i can talk to myself and go hey we need to have a conversation here what Mm -hmm. you did this week was it's not on par with what you can do so Next week we're going to double down. We're going to get all this work done. We're going to get all these projects done. We're going to start a mentor village. We're going to start touring the country. We're going to do all these amazing things. And okay, hold on. Now we need to set realistic expectations, as other books tell me to do. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna go to cons where your friends are, who they invite you. So hack red con, hack space con, or IEC's con. We're gonna do those. We're gonna we're gonna go to the local places with people you know and things like that. And then hey, when I produce content for On Defense blog we're going to write it in such a way that it can be, it's not just offensive. It's not just blue. It's not just purple. It's. It can speak to entry to senior level. I'm hoping that when the person who's brand new reads it, they get something from it. When the senior level person gets it, they go, it reinforces, as as we've said, reinforces their foundation and fundamentals. And then even sometimes their expertise. Cool. Thanks,
0: Joe. And by the way, mate, you can swear on here as much as you like, buddy. It doesn't bother me. Okay.
1: <laughs> The un- un-fuck-yourself book, it's
0: No, thank you, mate. And as we come towards the end, if anyone's got any any questions, I'm going to save a few minutes at the end for um, for questions. And, and just points I am taking, you've referenced so many things, Joe, about just resilience, and it really hasn't all been playing sailing. And I just think it's so nice for people to hear, because I know how hard it is to progress and break in and so on and so forth. So it's really nice to hear, mate. And you've given loads of resources there. And again, as soon as this is released, we'll, we'll get them all in this in the show notes. Just I think probably the last question from me before we move on to any questions is you've obviously progressed to, to director of offensive Security. I, listen, I can imagine kind of day-to- day, you're literally having an absolute scream. I'm sure it's great. but not everyone gets that far. I want, I'd like to know, why did Joe get why did Joe get that far? and can I what can I take from you in terms of my own progression if I'm listening now?
1: Yeah, it was at my prior place of employment. I had a group of guys, they, things went where they went with them. And I, I got to be a director there for a period of time and then they moved me to a head of, and then it just didn't work out with that firm. So I went, I came to OnDefend. It was funny because I applied everything that I, I was telling you about. I, when I chatted with, I'll, I'll name his name, Ben Fink, the COO, of CTO COO. And I was like, Ben, this is what I can do for on defend i literally pitched it to him and then and i came back and what of that do you want me to do and he's like all of it let's go i love it and it was great because i was interviewing for a lot of the top firms at the time red siege large security trusted Sec. I, I had been trying to get i had gone through secure ideas just all these folks who i had admired throughout the years and i had developed relationships with i reached out to them and was like i am not doing so mentally great on my current position." a little bit of burnout a little bit of too much stress they it's just not this place is no longer what I want to be involved in help me and each place I I did I sold myself and by the end of it I had so many job offers from all of these fantastic companies and the reason I settled that potentially the lesser known uh, at the time on defend was because Ben offered me something that nobody else was offering me everybody else was like you do pen testing all the time you need to do some research but Ben was like I want you to do research. I want you to do adversarial uh, and understand the reason adversaries do these things. I want you to do threat understanding. We're gonna do a lot of purple teams. And by the way, we're developing this product, Blind Spot. By the way, ironically named from the Blind Hacker. I don't know mm. if you knew that, Thomas. My 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 handle on Twitter's the Blind Hacker because of the visual impairment. But then we came over here and he had a tool called Blind Spot. Kind of not ironically named because it was named that before I even came out of the company. <laughs> And there's this breach and adversarial simulation, emulation style tool. Premier level. We're we're getting it there. We're getting it there. And the idea of building tactical capabilities into a C2 and adversarial simulation framework became something that I believed in so very much and loved it. So we did it. And I joined I joined on Defend and I have been like you said, I every day I wake up, I know I have good teammates. I work with a good company where we're building out our social media presence. Now we're doing all kinds of cool things with OnDefend and we're trying to be, I don't want to say the next Black Hills, but we want to start giving away mm. some information and blogs and building out our resources again. So that way, as folks come into the industry, maybe we do get to be referred to. And since they're helping me with Mentor Village, they're helping just encourage me and continue to have me grow in the, from an actual company perspective. That is stellar to have. That is stellar to wake up to. That is stellar to work for. There's never been a time that I have felt bad about myself since since being on board. And so, really, that's why I did that.
0: Yeah, wicked. Thanks, mate. And look, and on Defend, I was saying before we hit Go Live, Like on Defend, like they're reposting this event and stuff like that. And they've done like the most... Promo for a company for a LinkedIn live, so shout out to Arm Defense, thank you for that. And Joe, you just mentioned there like, APT kind of adversarial threat research and threats in the wild, and yeah, use that word C two framework. And I could probably ask you another ten questions off the back of that.
1: I will answer yeah. personal, visual about my visual impairment. I'll answer any questions you guys have, or just about hacking resources. Anything you guys want. Again, if you don't ask it here because you feel embarrassed or anything else, again, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter as the Blind Hacker Joe B. I'm on here on LinkedIn as of course Joe Brinkley. I am on some of the other social medias as Blind Hacker. Feel free to reach out to the On Defend team via our LinkedIn page, or our Twitter page, or our, our websites. So again, if you want to do a mock interview, reach out on here. I'll get you a link. Oh,
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> wicked! All that, f- let's go. Yeah, yeah, wicked, Joe. And let's just summarise a few points in case anyone does jump up with, with a question or two. But I just think the fact that with your, you mentioned like you are having feedback going, got a job. I think that kind of says it all. I think that pre-interview interview and obviously the mentor village. I think for anyone listening, please do utilise these things because it it, it it does make a, a huge difference. And it's nice to hear that you're getting that feedback, Joe, on the on the results. So. Mate, just one more question for me, then i have got you for two more minutes, buddy. So research, APT, threats in the wild, anything, yeah. I know there'll be certain stuff you can and can't talk about. What's anything really, I don't know, really scary or exciting and scary at the same time Ooh. you're seeing every minute? Yeah, it is,
1: for lack of a better term, the Wild West these days. It is something that I'm seeing. The good news is there's threat groups that pop up that we call for individual actions, individual things all the time. The better news is a lot of places that have decent security stacks and more mature security practices—they're not worried about it. The bad news is they're talking to places that necessarily can't afford these things. And mm. we saw MGM, even a multi-billion-dollar company, recently get shut down. Certainly, a a mom-and-pop shop or a company of sub two hundred folks—they're going to struggle with these things. So, absolutely, taking the time to understand your network's security stack. So that's all of your EDR, your SIMs, your network defenses, your firewalls, putting them all together, making sure they operate cohesively and things like that is going to be key. Of course, we at defend here can help you, but any professionals, try to get as much of those folks in your door, smart folks in your, and as you can and working with them is going to be key to making sure that these scary threats that that, that keep coming out with weird names, rabid banana Peach Pit, all these crazy names. I don't know who names them. The name generator is fantastic. I love it. But before you get too scared, definitely work with professionals as best as you can.
0: Yeah, yeah cool, Joe. And just another thing, I, I meant to ask you earlier, but I literally completely forgot. Can you tell us a bit more about the, the product you're working with now that's helping to defend yeah. things, that sort of thing? So specifically, again,
1: called Blind Spot. Uh, well, what, what we're liking to call it the Premier Breach and Adversarial Simulation Style Tooling. It's fantastic back has a great team of developers working on it has a fantastic team of tradecraft engineers working on it our marketing team we're, we're now even working on one-time assessment capabilities uh throw up we've got a form on the site to turn around and you can come to us pay a one-time fee get us in the door show that you are immune against certain ransomware, or that you're not that you're not prepared for them at all and then again we try to help out to our degree what i love about it is it's very much we use it for purple teaming i've become a purple team person and i love it again sitting on calls with the blue teamers learning how they did things and now being able to teach blue teams this is how red teams do it this is how i see other blue teams do it now let's see where we can get you guys the skills and again uh, it plays into my mentoring heart so being able to do that through on defend is fantastic so definitely check out blind spot and on defend if that's something that your team really can utilize and do some breach and adversarial testing
0: no, thank you, Joe. And just to finish off there, I think it, you really epitomise a lot of stuff that I shout about on LinkedIn. Like your technical skills are really strong, your communication skills are just you know where they want to be, and you're doing loads for the community. And those three things combined. If you can get them right and stick to them and be consistent and refine absolutely. those three things over time, A, you're going to have a lot of fun and B, you're going to have a lot of success, mate. But no, thank you, mate. Thanks. Thanks for your time. And I do appreciate it, buddy. And let's say thanks for on to ben for the promo. If it hadn't been so nice, mate, I'd probably be trying to headhunt you now for my client. <laughs> promo. I'd best leave you alone. <laughs>
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for the opportunity to chat.
0: No, likewise. And I'll, I'm sure we'll speak again soon, mate. Thanks, thanks again, Joe. And we'll speak soon. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye.